So a quick announcement about what the next... I can tell you right now what the next 10 episodes of Patreon will be. Yes. If you are going to sign up for our Patreon, every level gets a bonus episode. Yes, that is correct. And the bonus episodes are going to be... All hairspray. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, they're going to be our top five movies each. Yep. So... Two Drink Cinemas top, top 10, 10 movies. movies. So we've realised this many episodes in that we haven't reviewed any of our favourites yet. So we're going to review them for bonus episodes on the Patreon. Yeah. And the first one's going to be... Hairspray. So, listeners, jump onto our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash two drink cinema, if you want to get our bonus episodes and hear our reviews of our favourites. Yes. Two drinks in a mile. Jeez. Welcome to a special episode of Two Drink Cinema. We are two brothers having two drinks and reviewing movies. I said it in a different order, although I know people like comfort. Speaking of comfort, we have just come from the very comfortable seats of the Sun Theatre in Yarraville here in Melbourne, where we went to see our first movie. I was going to say premiere, but it's hardly a premiere. No. <laughs> uh, our first movie in cinema as two-drink cinema. Because that is true. we started the uh, podcast earlier in 2021. And this is the first time since deciding that we were going to do new movies that we actually could go to the cinema. Correct. Welcome, Brett. Thank you. Uh, We got the full cinema experience. We got everything. We got popcorn. We got chop tops. We got mobile phones. We got people eating loudly. We got people talking. We got people having a terrible time eating their popcorn and making noise. There's Aretha Franklin singing Amazing Grace. It was all part of it. Yes, it was... That was my rant. (laughs) um, We got someone's phone going off. Multiple times. Within the first 15 minutes of the movie. We got rustling of popcorn packets. A lot. We got people coming in... About 20 minutes into the movie? 20 minutes into the movie, which was strange. We got someone announcing a plot point. Yeah. As well. Great. (laughs) It was kind of an obvious plot point. If but, you knew the people in the movie and what year it was and what happened to the people in the movie in that year. Yes. But we'll we'll get to that. Question for you before we launch into our review. What movie did we see? Because we haven't said it yet. Oh, Respect. <laughs> we did uh, see Respect, which we had scheduled to see on the 19th of August, yes. 2021. And it is the 31st of October. <laughs> 2021 and we get to go and see respect so yeah so it this is r-e-s-p-c-t find out what it means to us the movie not the word respect <laughs> okay i mean that was bad um it's what is it two months two months since two originally months was and a week going to be released since it was going to be released i'm glad it got released in the cinema it wasn't one that they just kind of forgot about the cinema and then we get to see it next year Mm. On a streaming. Yeah. Um, because it is good to see in a theatre despite all of those issues with other people. Yeah, it was all right. Like, the cinema wasn't that full. I think, obviously, for a lot of people, um, it wasn't like, oh, I have to see this first out. There are other movies that people were probably going to go see. Yeah. There, um, there are other movies that are bigger and more recently released. Yeah. It was also a Sunday evening. Yeah, it's a Sunday evening. It was an older crowd. I was the youngest person in the cinema, I think. Yes, you which were. Which isn't the first time that's happened at the Sun no. Theatre. But uh, Respect is what we went to see, which was the Aretha Franklin biopic starring Jennifer Hudson, Forrest Whitaker, Marlon Wayans and Mary J. Blige, who got a very high credit for the fact that she's in three scenes. Yeah, she's in the first, in, and all in like the first 
half an hour of the movie. Yep. And then, yep. and then you're done, Mary J. Blige. Thank you very much. Uh, this is going to contain spoilers, but they're spoilers of Aretha Franklin's life. They're not... It, ooh, they're not... Um, so if you know stuff about Aretha Franklin's life, then they're probably not spoilers. They're not, yeah, and historical spoilers. And then, yeah, there's nothing really to spoil. You know she did a song and she had songs and she was big and she had alcohol problems and then she is a gospel singer. Yep. So the overall, my overall thing to say is she was better than the movie. Yeah, overall, for me, the movie was a bit meh. Yes, Jennifer Hudson was very good at singing. I would have been happy to see an hour of Jennifer Hudson singing Aretha Franklin songs. Yeah. And I would have come out just as happy. Yeah. Because I feel like the highlights of the movie were that. Oh, yeah. It's like Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie. Yeah. How it was... A good movie that was lifted by a good performance and great music. Yes, I I don't... Jennifer Hudson wasn't as good as Rami Malek was in Bohemian Rhapsody. No. But it was still that... But she actually sung. He didn't sing in this. But then I also feel like the making of the story wasn't what we got out of Ray or Get On Up, the James Brown one right with Chadwick Boseman. I don't feel like we got the same depth of story, no. and I feel like there's a lot of depth to the Aretha Franklin story. Yeah, um, it was. I don't know. I feel like there was more that could have been told, but it still went for over two hours. How much? Of that stuff, did you know before the movie? Not a lot. Not a lot from, like, when she was a kid. She had a kid when she was seven or however old she was. Yeah. It's a bit confusing. Well, so the movie starts in 1952, mm-hmm. and then we aren't given another year stamp until 1959. Yeah. And at some point between 1952 and 1959, she's had two kids. Mm-hmm. Which is from uh, rape, statutory rape, and yep. rape, and Content but warning. we don't know from various things whether she had the kid at ten, twelve, thirteen, fifteen, seventeen. Yeah, we just see two kids that are old. Yeah, there's a mention. Of her age being 10 in 1952. Yes. There's no mention of her age in 1959. No, but maths. But I also think they didn't make Jennifer Hudson look young enough for us to go, oh, she's 17. No. No, they didn't. Jennifer Hudson, as good as she was, looked the same age from 1959 to 1978. Two. Oh, 72. Yeah, which is Um, where they end the movie. Yes. So that, I spent a bit of time thinking about what year is it? How old is she? What's happened? Yeah. And I can, to a certain extent, understand them wanting to gloss over the child rape thing a little bit. A little bit, yeah. But in Ray and in Get On Up, and other biopics of stories like that, they don't gloss over it as much as they did in this movie. Yeah, I think it could... I don't know. They got, they, they didn't gloss over it. They just skipped it. Well, we just saw it was like the she, guy come into the room and close the door. The guy comes into the room. She closes the door. Her mum dies. Then three weeks later, she's seen at church. And then it's adult Jennifer Hudson. And then she's 17, played by 30-something, 30-year-old Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. And then we get a flashback of her 
being pregnant as a child, but it's the same actor that plays 10-year-old her. Yes. Even though we looked it up when we got home, she was 13 when she had her first baby. Yeah, so apparently she was 10 when the, in the movie when they showed the guy going in the room and fill in the blanks is basically what the movie yes. did. Then she's still that age when her mum dies. Maybe. No, because then she says it was like, I'll be back for your birthday. Three weeks is a long time, but then her mum her mom died before her birthday. Yeah. I, I don't... Yeah, that was a big flaw of the movie for me is not... The timeline didn't well, seem to add up. Aretha Franklin's mother died at a, her age 12. So oh. she was 10 at the start of the movie. Then they, right. Then she got molested. They obviously Hollywood have fought it a bit. They took some um, creative freedoms. Yes. But yeah, her there mother... was still some maths that didn't quite add up. Oh, no. When, when Aretha was 10, her mother died suddenly from a heart attack. Yep. Aretha gave birth to her first child two months before her 13th birthday. Crazy. I um, didn't know that. Although their, her manager told, said apparently that the father of that child was just a guy Aretha knew from school. Not her dad's friend. Yeah. I didn't really, I don't know how much I believed that at the start of the movie, like Aretha Franklin's dad was having a party with, you know, like Duke Ellington and um, Ella Fitzgerald. And Dinah Washington. Washington. I just, I didn't know that part of. But I suppose if it's in Detroit and they're all there. But it and that was another thing that they didn't lost over. They didn't say who they were. Yeah, it was just like, hi, Arnie Ella. Oh, hi, please, Uncle Duke. On. Like Yeah. And like Uncle Sam, was that Sam Cook? Like I don't know. I, I assume that that's what we're meant to think. When the character played by Marlon Wayne's comes on, everybody in the scene knows who he is. But we don't. And so I was going to say, like, are we, do you, did you know who he was? No. And it was just kind of in a throwaway remark that she called that guy Smokey. Yeah. No, actually, she didn't call him Smokey in that scene at the party. I she, think she did a bit. No, later at another party. Oh, she was like, she Smokey, saw, we oh, made Smokey. It. And I worked out it was Smokey because it was a guy with a kind of high-pitched voice and a big face talking about Motown. Yeah. That's yeah. the only way yeah. that I worked out that that was Smokey Robinson. Yeah. Um, I thought it was her brother first. Yeah. Her and then I was trying to think. disappears in the movie. I was trying to think, are there any Franklin men that sung on Motown and there weren't? So then I was like, well, maybe it's Smokey Robinson. Her, her brother disappeared. Yeah. So that was a... Issue. Um, oh, re reading a little bit more of this article. Aretha said that when she was 12, she went back to the then 23-year-old Sam Cooke's motel room with him. Oh, mm. Sam Cooke. Oh, no. That's not true, though. Like, well, that's, he's not the dad. Don't know. But Ooh, bits and pieces have been put together. Um, and I'm not saying anything if Sam Cook's lawyers are listening, but they're just a couple of things that I'm reading from a Vanity Fair article. Reading a little bit more this article from Vanity Fair about the pregnancies in the movie, respect, the pregnancies are handled vaguely. Yes. Uh, Tommy, Putting it mildly. Yeah. The writers told Vanity Fair that they were following Aretha's lead in terms of the vagueness around the paternity of her first son. Yeah. The quote is, the specificity of who impregnated her doesn't matter as much as what it did in terms of trauma and children not being able to provide consent. All victims of abuse should get to share their own stories of abuse on their own timeline and terms. So obviously that's right. Yes. And that's the way to go about it in terms of respecting Aretha and her story. But, uh, and I think that probably also applies to, we didn't go too deep into the abuse from her father and we didn't go too deep. We went deeper, but not too deep into the abuse from Ted. 
it, uh, it was just like, you know, they have an argument, then she rocks up back home with a black eye. I think, yeah, I think... It's very implied. Reading into this, I think that is what Aretha wanted. Okay. More the story to be about the effect that the abuse had on her rather than this is the abuse. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And so we do get to see the gradual impact of those demons as her preacher father calls them and, you know, descending into the alcohol issues and the overworking um, both as coping mechanisms for this trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was an issue with kind of, it's a very big story and it's a very big life that Aretha Franklin has and obviously you have to go back to when she was a child and at church and singing at the parties and you want to go back and cover it the fact that she was 13 when she had her first child. Yeah. And so then... That's why she drinks. Then you had to take it all the way to 1972 to that big gospel album. Yeah. They stopped in 1972, which was unfortunate because I was really looking forward to seeing her in the studio with George Michael. I was really looking forward to that too. And the sisters are doing it for themselves. Yeah, that, was the, that. that was really the pinnacle of Aretha We got for a me. photo of her at Blues Brothers, but we didn't see the movie. Yeah, well, we've watched Blues Brothers... We didn't get to see Jennifer Hudson on set with an actor playing Dan Aykroyd and an actor playing no Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi, no. We... John Belushi. Oh, yeah, John Belushi. Whoops. <laughs> um, that would be a very different movie yeah. with yeah. Jim Belushi <laughs> than John Belushi. The, I, I can understand that they wanted, obviously, to cover from 1952 to 1972, but then I feel in trying to cover 20 years... They've rushed some things. They rushed her first albums. Yeah. They rushed that middle period where she was um, a recording artist. She was releasing standards. She was releasing all these albums. And they didn't do as well as you would now, looking back, think, like, oh, everything she did was amazing. And, like, it was amazing, but nobody bought it. Yeah, because she was just another very good singer of standards. Yes. But we got some characters to tell us that she had no hits, mm, mm. which seemed you to be had a hit. You enough. Had a hit. Nine albums, you haven't had a hit. Yeah, Mary J. Blige got to tell us, and Marlon Wayans got to tell us. Her sister got, Her to, sisters her got, got to, tell to tell us. Her sister got to tell us. Yeah, so... The ghost of her mother got to tell us. It was... That was rushed. But then she got together with Ted White, played by Marlon Wayans, who unfortunately seemed to have no rhythm. Marlon Wayans. I don't know if Ted White had no rhythm and couldn't dance. or his acting ability? Well, he couldn't dance, Mm. which is unfortunate for the husband of Aretha Franklin. I don't like that he was just... Like, maybe he was. But it was just like angry black man. Yeah, I think another thing that happens if you try to kind of rush too much story is you have to boil a character like Ted White down to angry black man because you don't have time to show him being loving in between yes. that. Yeah, and it was like... Um, and everything was just race this and this and... It you was know. the 60s, like, yeah, so it was a very racially charged that, time. That's all he was in the yeah, movie. Yeah, and I feel, yeah, and I feel that the story wasn't told well. I feel like they wanted to get Aretha's songs in there and they, like, put in, all right, so we've got to do um, Ain't No Way. We've got to do... Never loved a man. We got to do respect, think, chain of fools. All right, so we'll do that. That oh, we'll just put in storyline in between somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I um. The other bit I didn't really like. It, a lot of biopics about um uh, musicians 
do the whole like you know they're just sitting at a piano yeah and they're just playing around and it's like hit yes like it's just oh that's how we did it and then we recorded it just like having fun in the studio and it was great the first like time rami malik's just sitting in that cottage and goes Ding, 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 yeah. ding. And then, oh, look, there's an operatic whatever yeah. hit. And, yeah. Um, That's not as... Mike Myers says, I'm not going to see kids oh, banging their heads to it in the car. Worst line in the movie. Yeah. It's, um, it wasn't that... Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't as bad because it showed you a bit of the recording and yeah. making it the thing. But, you know, that was just like... They're sitting in a studio and then... They just do Ain't No Way in one take. I was like, no, I don't believe that. But that's a movie, fine. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah. What well, the bit I didn't like is they do they're doing respect and they're working out the song and they're like recording it in the studio. Or they're just mucking around in the studio. And then they finish it and they're all like, that's great. And then it goes, next scene, she's sold out Madison Square Garden. I didn't find that as jarring. I don't. It wasn't jarring. It was just like I would have preferred more of the, a storyline between how she went from a great singer not having a hit to then being sold out Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Then being Aretha Queen of Soul. Yeah, yeah. I think they tried to do too much. Yeah, and this is going to be a criticism of a lot of movies. It was the same thing we said about Worth, mm-hmm. is that they were trying to do too much. Yeah. Um, and something else that we saw recently um, where they were trying to do too much, and I feel in this they were trying to tell the story of the effect of her trauma while also trying to tell the story of her growth to success. Yeah. While also trying to tell just the story of Aretha Franklin. Yes. And then it was like, uh, to a point where it kind of also glazed over a bit. Um, the Glazed over? Yeah. The, like, whole women's rights and civil rights of the time as well. And the impact she had on that. Yeah. And like, obviously there was a bit with, she was going on tour with, and tour sounds <laughs> not bad, like yeah. with Martin Luther King. Um, and on the dad road. On the road. And then doing that. And then it didn't really talk about how um, her songs like Respect and Chain of Fools are like female empowerment anthems as well. All it really did was when she was singing it, they showed a woman in the crowd being like, mmm, yes, mmm. Like, that's it. I Yeah. And that's, they're trying to, there was obviously a lot of, aspects and a lot of strings to Aretha's bow and the depth of telling all of those stories wasn't super strong but it allowed for more music so I'm fine with that (laughs) well I feel like we could have told the the story of her music or the story of her trauma trauma or the story of her social Life, activism. not her social life, her social <laughs> activism. Because yeah. she did win the, was the Presidential Medal of Freedom? Yeah. Or whatever the Civil Rights Award is. Presidential Medal of Freedom, yes. Freedom! Freedom! Presidential yeah. Medal of Freedom! That's what that song was about, actually. It is. No, it wasn't at all. George, George W. Bush finally was like, oh, freedom. Freedom. Yeah. She received the star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1979. Mm, they didn't show that. Oh, they didn't get Had that her voice declared a Michigan natural resource in 1985. <laughs> she Did became they mine a, that natural resource? Yeah. Or they, uh, she became the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Correct. The National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences awarded her a Grammy Legend Award in 1991. The mm-hmm. Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1994. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Which Center Honoree. That's weird. They have two different awards. Yeah, I'm not sure the difference. Uh, she was a Kennedy Center Honoree in 1994, and as we found it in the movie, the youngest. 
Kennedy yeah, Center honoree. Too, which is quite young. Old people. Old. They always give it to old people. You know, like someone's knocking on death's door. Yeah. She was inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame in 2005. After uh, the Rock yeah, and well Roll after Hall of Fame. <laughs> the National Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She was the second woman inducted into the UK Music Hall of Fame in 2005. Ooh, who was the first? I don't know. Oh, we'll look that up later. Uh, she Lulu. was posthumously awarded a Pulitzer Prize special citation for her indelible contribution to American music and culture for more than five decades. The first individual woman to receive a Pulitzer Prize special citation. Oh. In 2010, Franklin was ranked first on Rolling Stone magazine's list of 100 greatest singers of all time. That is correct. And ninth on their list of 100 greatest artists of all time. That is correct. That, that's where they placed them. Her. Is that yes. correct? That's where she should be placed. Yes, for the singers. When Rolling Stone listed the Women in Rock 50 Essential Albums in 2002 and again in 2012, it listed Franklin's 1967 I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You number one. Which is, yes, where all the hits came from. So very, very good. She won 18 Grammys and it was she still holds some crazy record for like the most consecutive wins in one category. Like eight years oh, in a really? row. She won like best female vocal performance soul R and B or something like that. Uh, she has five recordings in the Grammy Hall of Fame. That's not what we're looking for. Nope. Although that is interesting. Yes. She was nominated for a Grammy forty four times. And she only and won 18. 18. 11 of her albums were nominated, winning four. Yeah, she won most of them for vocal performance. Uh, she won the Grammy for Best R&B Vocal Performance Female for the eighth consecutive year. There you go. For her cover version of the Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell hit. It's loading. Let's have a chat. An open, honest chat. Join best mates Lee and Jeff as they strip back everything, literally and figuratively, to have an open conversation about life. No pants, no problems. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite platform so you don't miss an episode. Join the conversation by following us on Facebook and Twitter at No Pants Pod. Jennifer Hudson was very good. The girl that played 10 to 14-year-old Aretha Franklin was also very good. She was good. Forrest Whitaker was good. I think he was good. I think he was good. Most of the acting was good. Not like setting the world on fire. Yeah. But like... I'm not sure it's another award nomination for J-Hud. A Golden Globe maybe, if they class it as a musical. Well, who knows? Could be a limited who series. Knows? Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't a musical. But Rocket Man was? Yeah. Well, Rocket Man was. Yeah. They were different. But it um, was like, I don't know, it was still, for me, watching the movie. Yep. It was still Jennifer Hudson to me. As good as Jennifer Hudson is, and I love her and her voice, she, acting wise, at times, sounded like Jennifer Hudson. But then, sounded, at times, sounded like Aretha. And when, sometimes, when she sounded like Aretha, it did sound a bit like she was trying to sound like Aretha. Yeah, it was like she put on this weird face and said it like a bit robotic, yep. almost. Yep. Um, yeah. And there wasn't really, there was a, not much of a transition. She was like mild-mannered and quiet because of the trauma, just doing what if all these men told her to do. Yep. And then she's a diva. Yeah, that did happen rather quickly. It was, I'm great, Martin Luther King died, now I hate you all. That could make sense, though. Yeah, that's another. That was pretty impactful. Oh, that was the moment in the cinema where the man person sitting behind you yeah. said, 
Martin Luther King. Oh, because it was 96... Because I was doing the maths in my... I was... There was one thing in my mind where I thought the dates didn't add up. And I knew it was 1968 in the movie. And I knew that Martin Luther King got assassinated in 1968. Yep. I thought that Natural Woman was released in like 1970. Oh, okay. So then I was like, whoa. And then she went on tour and she's in Paris. But that scene wasn't great. Pick up the phone. Hello? No. No, no, no. I'm like, oh, for fuck's And then sake. from the road and then behind. The mate, go, the mate behind me goes, oh, Martin Luther King died. Yeah. <laughs> we know that. We know that. Oh, did he? Spoiler alert. There, there was um, something else. The people sitting just in front and to the right of me. They talked a bit, didn't they? They said a couple of things. And, and <laughs> yeah, they've seen us check in and seen us take our selfie. Uh, and now they're listening. But was oh, something really char- obvious? Now, when a character came on, oh, when she gets rid of Ted and then she calls up the tour manager guy. Oh, yeah. Who then becomes her next husband. Yeah. He comes to the door, she opens it, and he turned to the person he was with and he goes, that's the tour manager. <laughs> That's I'm the like, tour manager, Ken Cunnington, played by this guy, whatever his name yeah, was. Like we in. hadn't just seen the four scenes before that where they're making eyes at each other yeah. and put it together that that's who she's going to call. Um, I think um, <laughs> the woman in front of me as well, yep. now it just complains like, <laughs> sounds like we're complaining about going to the cinema. She had the worst timing. Oh, she was she shocking. She was like, oh, th- there was also one woman at the back that I thought, she, I thought when Aretha, when Aretha, when Jennifer Hudson was starting to sing um, Natural Woman, yep. I thought she got up and she was like, oh, <laughs> I think for a bit, I thought she started singing along. She was pretty excited. I feel like she went and saw the movie just for that song. Well, she could have watched the, the end. Yes. Uh, over the credits, they play... Actual Aretha Franklin, yeah, singing "Natural Woman" at the Kennedy Center honors for Carol King, yes, which is like as much. Obviously, Carol King loved it. They showed her in the audience, and she loved it. Yeah, but it is a, a little bit awkward if you're being honored and someone else gets and, a standing ovation. Yeah. And Barack, <laughs> Barack Obama's there going, "Oh, she is amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. She's got, like, oh, you're yeah. all right, Carol King. It's your song. It's great. We love you, Carol. Her. But she sang at my inauguration." I, <laughs> I thought that maybe, like, the ending with the sing heavy. I was like, I hope at the end they show real Aretha singing. Yes, I thought they might transition into her singing "Amazing Grace" in the church. Yeah, because at one point, and they did this a couple of times. There was a couple of documentaries. Yeah, and they showed, and then they showed some marching, protesting kind of stuff. After Martin Luther King was assassinated. Yes. I thought, yeah, so then the last scene when they're in the church and she's singing Amazing Grace, they showed a shot of her grandma, Mama Franklin. Yeah. But with the grainy 1960s look. Yeah. So then I thought we were going to come back to the stage and it would be actual Aretha. Yeah. But no, they just chose to show two shots in that last song that looked like they were filmed in the 1960s. Yeah, and the rest strange. Maybe they couldn't out. get rights to it, but I don't know why they wouldn't have been able to. But also then, but why would you show two shots of the actors in the 1960s yes. look? Yeah, yeah, okay. okay but yeah. not show, 70s look, but not show the rest or not transition to yes. something from then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of was like, at one point I'm like, why did they choose... This performance of Aretha to show. Because I was like, yeah, she was older and her voice wasn't as good. Yeah. It was still amazing. It was like, wasn't as good as what it has been. So why would you do this and not like some other performance that she'd done? Yeah. Um, yeah. But hey, whatever. Well, um, it was in, in 2015. Yes. That it Maybe was. it was her last performance. And Aretha died in 2018. Maybe it was her last performance. It could have been one of her last. But regardless of that, it does show how good she was. 
Yeah. Like, that's a performance when she is 73 years old. Yeah. Singing a song that is a hell of a sing. Mm. And she doesn't, she doesn't nail it. No. But yeah. she sings it very, very well for a 73-year-old. Um, um, the, the woman in the front with bad timing... Yes, with the popcorn like, in the cinema, not in the Kennedy Center. Not in the Kennedy Center. Yeah, um, or in the movie in the cinema. This woman in the front. Yeah, right in the front, in front of her. They get in the thing, and she's at her gospel performance, and she starts singing "Amazing Grace." Yeah, and this woman just gets her popcorn, and she's just like, "I'm like, I was gonna be like, can you just fucking wait?" <laughs> in the a scene, a couple of scenes earlier than that. Uh, I think it was when she was having the vision of her mother coming back to her and singing Amazing Grace. Yes. Uh, the man sitting next to the woman with the popcorn, his Siri went off. Oh, he went, dunk. Yeah. And about 10 minutes into the movie. I'm sorry, I couldn't help yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it was Siri going, playing Amazing Grace by Aretha Franklin. Playing Amazing Grace by Audra <laughs> MacDonald. <laughs> and... So that that couple were not having a great night of it. Uh, were they the ones that were late? No. No, the ones that were late, I think, were the ones that were ahead of us in the line for the candy bar. Oh, really? Who, you know, when I was standing there and they couldn't make a decision. Oh, God. And then the woman at the candy bar is like, who's next? And I'm like, going, trying to go, are you guys right? Yeah. And so I just went in front and ordered. And then they went and sat on, like, the couch in the foyer. Oh, and so then they somehow forgot. they missed the start of the movie. Were they waiting for somebody to come and get them? Uh, like we just went in. Yeah, <laughs> like because... minutes early. <laughs> that's what you do. You yeah. just go up to the stand go guy. Go up to the thing, see if it's ready. If not, then you go to the couch. Yeah. And then they'll say, uh, cinema eight, we're stuck, now ready, thank you. Yeah, but that didn't happen because we went in. And then 20 minutes late into the movie, someone came in and I thought they were going to walk try to get past I someone thought, to get to yeah. their seats. And then I thought they were going to be like, no, we have to go exactly this seat. I was almost going to be like, everybody's here. Just sit there. <laughs> just I was very sit in the aisle. Doing that. And if someone's in your seat and you come in 20 minutes after the movie starts, bad luck. Bad luck. Just sit down. You're sitting on just the aisle. Just go in and sit. And even if it's the front row on the last two on the aisle, that's you. It's like what happens. Oh, in the like when you go to the tennis. Yeah. And you're... Like coming in and players are ready, just find a seat. Players yeah. are ready. Players have already started. Players started. It's halfway through the first set. Just it's, sit down. It's 30 love. Sit down. It's, it's 30 love. All right. Vaxxed or unvaxxed Novak, he's yeah. playing. Oh, topical. Um, yes. Anything more to say generally about the movie? It was just a bit... Um, Shallow. Meh. Like, it didn't, I didn't find it amazing... Like, Jennifer Hudson's a great singer. She was still just too much Jennifer Hudson. I know that there's... You can't... You can't... Nobody can sing like Aretha. She's probably the closest voice to Aretha that is around... Now. And high profile at the moment. Yes. Right? But I would have liked to have... Felt like she put in some sort of effort to alter her voice... To not sound like Effie White from Dreamgirls. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Because as well, she has had such an iconic role singing that style of and music. in the same era. So it was like, there was one dress when she was first meeting with a record executive. I'm like, I think she wore that in Dreamgirls. She just took it home from she the Dreamgirls set. She the thing. And she's like, I've got this. And there are parallels between Effie White's character and Aretha Franklin's character. Yes. Yeah. And their arcs. Yeah. So, yes, I can see how, and I did at points kind of just think I was listening to Jennifer Hudson cover Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Um, yeah it's like when you think of Dreamgirls, to bring it up again, Beyonce changed her voice a bit to like, Soften it and I don't want to say dull it down. So she wasn't so, full so Beyonce. So she was Diana Ross. Yeah. But she's not Diana Ross. But she's Diana Ross. According to Diana Ross's lawyer, <laughs> yes. she is Diana Ross. So then it was like, 
you know, then she has her moment in the movie Beyonce where she goes full Beyonce. Well, and I think this is a thing as well where there's the issue of casting a singer in that because Chadwick Boseman and Rami Malek yep. and Taron Egerton and... Well, Taron Egerton sung. Jamie Foxx aren't singers. But like Chadwick Boseman, oh, okay, Jamie Foxx, Taron Egerton did sing. Yes. Rami Malek not so much, but... No, no yeah. The... The Chuck the problem with him. what? Yeah, don't worry. Go. Yeah, he's dead. No, I thought he's. I didn't know he sang in that well, movie. I, mean, I think he did. I probably. I don't know. He was very good. Yeah. If you haven't seen Get On Up, he's very get good. on it. Get on it. Get up. Get on up. <laughs> um, and I, I, we watched that. Shane and I watched that, and he goes, "Oh, I don't think I've seen it." I'm like, "We've seen it," <laughs> and. But Shane was convinced that he hadn't seen it. So we watched it. And I'm 10 minutes, 15 minutes in. I go, I've 100% seen this. Viola Davis plays his mum. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, I've seen this. Shane goes, I haven't, I haven't. I'm like, but then I was thinking, who else would I have watched it with? Maybe you watched it by yourself? No, if I was going to watch a James Brown documentary, a biopic, yeah. I would watch it with, your with my <laughs> musician, musician husband. soul music-loving <laughs> husband. Yeah. Like, but anyway, Shane, even by the end of the movie, was convinced that he well, hadn't seen it. he's seen it now. He has seen it now. It's very good. Watch it. It's better than Respect. Okay. As good. a biopic. Yep. Uh, yeah, the... The issue, what I was trying to say is that the that comes from casting Jennifer Hudson, yeah, because Jennifer Hudson is trained and has been twenty years singing like Jennifer Hudson, yeah. Whereas Taron Egerton hasn't got a single out as Taron no, Egerton, no, true. And you know, so when Taron Egerton is probably getting singing lessons for the film. Yeah. So part of his singing lessons for the film is to learn John. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is to learn to sing like Elton John. Yeah. But even then, with that, with that one, with Rocket Man, it's not so much because it's not a bio, a necessary like biopic. It's like a fantasy musical biopic thing. Yeah. So it's like he's Elton John, but it's not him doing an Elton John performance or an Elton John recording. No. Whereas this very much is. It is but, and legit also, Jennifer Hudson at Madison Square Garden. I also feel like Aretha Franklin's voice is more unique than Elton John's. And harder to, yeah, it's harder to imitate. Yeah. Because there's like the raspiness and things that you can't, couldn't really do. Nobody could sing that note at that style. No. Anyway, I'm and rambling. Jennifer Hudson might have tried it and then goes... If I'm going to do six yeah. months of doing this, yeah. I'm going to have no voice at the end that, of it. If, I, if I'm going to do it, I'm not. maybe she did it and she listened to it and she was like, this feels disrespectful to me because I can't do it. Yeah. I, it's really highlighting how much I can't sing like Aretha Franklin. I'm not Aretha Franklin. Yeah. But um, I don't want this to just be 45 minutes of us shitting all over the movie. But... The movie, I don't think, lived up to what I no. expected. No. For the cast and the story that it could have been. It, yeah, it was what, it kind of was what I expected that it didn't really kick off. The movie was kind of slow at the start, too. Yeah. And, and it didn't really kick off until she had a hit. I felt like. The first half an hour, 45 minutes was just like, like the first half an hour was her as a kid. Yeah. I, I felt like the last probably 40 minutes from respect to amazing grace was good, but that was partly because it was a lot of Jennifer Hudson singing, mm, mm. which is good to listen to. Yeah. But I was never captivated by the movie. No. I was captivated and enjoying Jennifer Hudson singing. That's true. So I could have just gone and seen a tribute concert by Jennifer Hudson. I could have just um, downloaded Aretha Franklin Greatest Hits. We could have. We could after we stopped recording go and find that 
Amazing Grace live in concert. You could. Concert to watch. I might watch that. I've listened to bits of that album. I was kind of hoping she does in that same album, she does a very good version of Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Oh, that's where that's from. Yeah. Yeah, I know that version. Yeah. Um, God, could you imagine being in that church though? I'm white, so I wouldn't have been. But also in that church, the female gremlin made an appearance. That was nice of her. Did you just notice that woman? No. That was sitting, this woman that was, I'm going to have to post a pic or something. This woman that was sitting next to Aretha's grandmother. Oh, with the big with the white hair, stripe. With the big hair <laughs> and the like really thin pointy glasses. That yep. is, was yep. like. And the big white stripe of the, hair. Yeah, that's the girl the gremlin. The other thing that they did funny with audience was her gig in Paris Mm. They just like had the audience and then at one point they just had a shot of one woman mm. and I feel like they kind of just got people to wear whatever because they only had the budget to dress one person <laughs> like a 1960s Parisian. Yeah. They're like, well, we've gone all out on this woman so we have to show her. Yes. And it just feels like they've gone, look at all this crowd and look, we're in Paris. Look, this person looks like yeah. a Paris 60s woman. <laughs> we're definitely in Paris. Yeah. Even though it was all filmed in Georgia. I feel like that they could have um, divin, divin, dove, dive, dive, deeper. Wow, that was bad. Um, <laughs> just had a stroke. Um, into like the tra- like how she hit through to a white audience because that yeah. was a big thing of that time. That there was you know the the R and B charts and yep. the mainstream white charts. Well, I think that's another thing that they didn't have the space for, and they just glossed over it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there's she's white people, white French people are watching her. Yeah. Well, I think in Europe, because I think it was the same with Motown, Motown were bigger, quicker in other countries. Yeah. Because they didn't have the racial thing. Yes. In yeah. Europe, they just love music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they probably didn't see the, you know, they didn't see Aretha on the Andrew Griffith show. Not the Andrew Griffith show, because that was a sitcom. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Johnny the Carson Carol Burn, or the Carol, Carol Burnett, Burnett show. yep, as we um, said. They just heard her on the radio. And knew she was good. Yeah, just went, your shoulder, Ross Beck. And so wanted to bad. throw a lot of flowers to her yeah. at her yeah. in Amsterdam, yeah. which is a thing, apparently. Apparently so, just tulips everywhere. So out tulips, of, is that one tulips? Um, yep. out of five drained bottles of straight vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or out of... Five hip flasks of bourbon. Yeah. Oh. Three. Two and a half. Okay. I'm going to give it two and a half because it was okay. I, I, I've just left it. I left the, while I was watching it, I yeah. felt like meh. At the end, I was like meh, even though I was getting a bit emotional. Then I was like. I wasn't getting emotional about the movie, though. I was just getting emotional because I was like, oh, that's Aretha Franklin and she's dead. Yes. So I'm just like, and then I was like, oh. And then at the end of the thing, I walked out of the cinema. I was still just like, uh. And then now even sitting here, I'm still a bit, uh. So average. Did you have any pressing phone calls to make at the end of the movie? No, I didn't need to be the woman behind us. And as soon as the... Oh, I swear there was one person that was like, had to go and get a flight or something. Because it was like, <laughs> as soon as she was... Singing the because how they did the movie they you know she was singing in the gospel thing at the end with amazing grace and then they had like little you know at the end of every biopic you have facts. to have little facts, um, so they did that and as soon as that started well as soon as the first fact comes up you know the movie's finishing yeah so then this person I felt like they were just like packed up all their belongings and they like put their bag on their shoulder and they were ready to go do you know what it was it's it was the same as. <laughs> When you're in a uni lecture yeah. and you know the thing that your lecturer is going to say that means they're about to wrap up the lecture. Yeah, and they go, so you okay, close so your book. for next week you're like... <laughs> <laughs> Book's closed, in your bag, bag on your shoulder, ready to go because you need to go and get your Macca's breakfast and leave before your tutorial starts. Yeah. I, um... and, but then the woman, as soon as she mm. finished singing, the real Aretha finished singing yeah. Natural Woman at the Kennedy Centre, she turned her phone on and made a phone call. Yeah, she's like, are you still at the bar? Yeah. I'm, take three steps out the fucking if theater. They're at, if they're still at the bar, they're still going to be there by the time you get out of the theater. 
Most likely, yes. They won't have between... Yeah. She's in the second back row too, so she's not far from the door. <laughs> yeah. By the time you get from your seat to the foyer, they're either at the bar still or not. And if yes. they've just left the bar and you ring them and say, I'm going back to the bar, they might go... They might go, oh, all right, let's yeah. turn around. All right, let's have another one. It's yeah, a good excuse. It, was, it was... We got the full cinema experience. We got the experience. full cinema experience and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, we're back. This is great. I'm already rolling my eyes at people in public and it's fantastic. And we've got two more, three more <laughs> movies booked for November. So we've got our normal schedule of classic cult and nostalgic. Yeah. But that's all going to be interspersed with No Time to Die. Correct. We've booked for the 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anniversary showing of A Clockwork Orange. We've booked for the 13th. Yes. And a screening of the French, French Dispatch, Dispatch that we've booked the for the 25th. Yes. So that's November, along with The Life of Brian, which you might have been expecting today, but you're going to get another day. Yes. <laughs> We're just going to... It's going to come, all right? You'll get it, all right? And there's also uh, The Adams Family, because it has a November release, so that's our nostalgic movie for the month. Uh, before we then get into Christmas. Christmas. Uh, because All the classics. Yeah, the classics and one. And one shit just movie. Just a terrible one, <laughs> which I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> Guys, it's Die Hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> Die Hard. There's going to be the debate about Die Hard before we get to the Die Hard review. But that was our review of Respect, the 12th of August release. <laughs> The 19th of August release for Respect that we saw on the 31st 31st of October. October. Thank you, Brett, for coming back to the cinemas for Two Drink Cinema. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Two Drink Cinema. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Please share with a friend and leave a rating and review. It goes a long way to help us reach a bigger audience. This show is produced by Odd Sox Entertainment. For more of Odd Sox Entertainment's work, including the show notes for this episode, follow the link in this episode description. Follow us on all your social platforms and join our Facebook group to connect with us. Thanks for listening. Happy watching and drink responsibly. Cheers.